Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex, we are going to bring in a very special guest here in a few minutes. You saw see it in the headline of the show here today. We have Miguel Benzon, a.k.a. Pat's Cap, in the waiting room right now. So we're going to bring up Miguel here in a second. We're going to talk some Patriots salary cap. This is probably right now at this point of the offseason, other than who the heck are the Patriots going to draft at wide receiver, the number one questions that I get surround the salary cap. How much cap space do they have? How much wiggle room do they have? How can they move space around? What can they do with some of these bigger cap numbers uh, that they have in these contracts? So we're going to get to all of that here in just a second with Miguel. But before we do, we have to shout out our sponsors at LinkedIn. These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post and minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified and use the simple tools on LinkedIn jobs to cr- quickly filter and prioritize who you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. And now that that is out of the way, we can welcome a man that needs no introduction whatsoever, but we're going to give him one anyways. It's Pat's cap, Miguel Benzon, the number one Patriots cap whiz in the business. And about 95% of my Twitter followers are because of this man right here. So (laughs) Miguel, thank you so much for coming on with us today. And we're so excited to have you. Glad to be on Evan. Glad to be on. I'll never forget. You're terrific. I just, glad you're no longer just an aspiring journalist (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah miguel remembers back in the day when people used to uh, get on me for for being an aspiring journalist alex not an actual journalist which i guess i am now according to miguel so i'll take it All right, so I think this is where we want to start, Alex. I realize you have not said anything in these first three minutes of this show. So first that's got to be all, a record. That's got to be re- like, how do we keep this guy's mouth shut for three minutes, right? I mean, come on. Anyways, uh, I think the first thing that is on everybody's mind, Miguel, when they pull up your page and they yeah. see three point six nine eight million dollars in salary yeah. cap space for 2022 this is yes. with the rollover and all that kind of stuff yeah. and we all say oh god that is okay. not a lot of space to do anything of value for this team in the offseason but tell us why we shouldn't be freaking out just yet about the fact that the patriots are tied up against the cap because it's two months from March, close to two months from march 16th they got several ways to create cap space we can go over so we can go over most of them, or if not all of them, but there are several ways to get it. It is tight because, against the cap because they didn't carry over as much cap space as, as the previous year. Previous year, they carried over $19 million. This year, they carried over just over $100,000. It's to be expected. Um, 
it's it's tight, but it's, they have ways to create cap space. So I'm not. And if I could do it, I'm an amateur, and I don't. I do this as a hobby. If the Patriots, who have fresh paying people to do it, they could definitely come up with these ways. And let's 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 remember, the Saints created 110 million dollars in cap space last year, and they hardly cut anyone. So, in, realistically, you know, yeah. I, and I know that there's so much that's going to happen here, and it's hard to pin down an exact number. But what's a realistic range you kind of expect them to be at? You know, to start free agency, or at least to work on their own free agents. What's a realistic? you know, projection instead of the, I know you're trying to be in the moment. Okay. No. So, so they could get to 40, 35, if they don't. And that's without cutting people. I'm, I'm like, so right. I push out in, in my scenario, right. I can easily create cap space by with Judon, Hunter Henry, Devon Goshaw, reaching a deal with, with Jake Bailey, cutting Nikhil Harry, cutting Henry Anderson, Extending, extending Nelson Aguilar, extending Isaiah Isaiah Wynn. All right, and I got up to hold on a minute, that gets me up to thirty-one million dollars in cap space. And that and that doesn't include their own free agents, right? Because the next place. No, I no, want... no. So the only free agents that includes would be, I I would I would have tended Jacoby Myers, and I would have t- attended Jacob Johnson. Right. So, so real, real quick, while we're real quick while we're on that, what what level did you tender Jacoby at? Second round. You yeah. think you think they tender him at a second round level? I think they tender him at a second round level. Yes. Okay. No. In recent history, no one who has received a second round tender has received an offer sheet. Right. From another and team. You, and you don't think they'd tender Gunner at all? I, I used to think there were tending tending. I used to think that. I no longer do. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree, agree with the Myers thing. I think that the what's it, three point nine million for the second round tender? Yes. I, I believe that's pretty good value for a guy that yeah. led your team in targets and receptions this past year. Now, the other question I, I want to talk to you about all the different ways that they yeah. can create cap space in a second. But you mentioned that they could get to about thirty million dollars in cap space by doing mm-hmm. a bunch of different things. And the name that comes to mind first for me is obviously J.C. Jackson mm-hmm. and. The fact of the matter is, is that the franchise tag for cornerbacks is just under $18 million. So even if they get to that $30 million number, if they franchise tag JC, that's about more, a little bit more than half of it gone, just like that. Right. right? Yeah. So it it really feels like that player obviously is a player that the Patriots would like to retain as a 26 year old second team, all pro and, a team that doesn't have cover talent coming out the wazoo anymore, right? It's not like they got corners in the in the uh, in the back that they can just pull up from the warehouse and be like, oh, here here's another number one corner. So J.C. Jackson's a player that I think it's very dangerous to let him just walk right out the door because of the fact that they don't have anything behind him. But at the same time, that's a big number. What would you see as first of all, if they were to tag J.C., do you think that that would be their big move, like they would kind of have to be done in terms of what else they would do. And yes, also, I, 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 if ahead. they go into free agency with JC Jackson tagged, that's probably going to be their big move unless they decide to cut some players who are pretty good and not hurt. All right. right. And so, like, literally, you could create cap space, like, for example, with cutting. I said this. On Phil Perry's thing, I mentioned this name, right? Because 
it's true. You can cut Jason, Shaq Mason and create a lot of cap space. I wouldn't do it. But if you were talking about cutting players, he would create the cap space without pushing any money. All right? He's the number one cut because a lot of the Patriots have a lot of players with guaranteed salary. So you can't cut a, get a lot of cap savings that way. All right? So you're talking in terms of cutting a player. Shaq Mason is the number one is the, creates the cap most cap space. Would I do it? No, I probably I have on my con, the spreadsheet folks that um, you can't see, but I'm looking at. I could create cap space by extending him one more year, and I get 3.6 million dollars in cap space by extending Shaq Mason. That's what I would do. But I'm saying if they Patriots decide to to go into the C, free agency, which with J.C. Jackson tagged, they're gonna probably have to cut some other players like a Shaq Mason or Jonathan Jones or a Kyle Vannoy, which I, I, you know, but those are things they would have to do. Or the other thing they could do is could push out a lot more money than they did and have done in the past. And I do want to say, folks, like, for example, if you convert Matthew Judon's salary, most of his salary, into a signing bonus, all right, it doesn't necessarily mean that Robert Kraft is writing a check that day for the signing bonus. They could just say, hey, Matthew Judon, when we're, we just give you that when you get paid for your weekly paycheck, we'll just give you that signing bonus at that time, which allows, um, excuse me, frees up cash flow for Robert Kraft so he could go then sign free agents. So my second question on JC is, let's say the Patriots do actually make a serious offer for an extension, a multi-year yes. extension and not just the tag. Where do you see his market being at? And do you think that that would be realistic based off of their past history that they would hand out a contract that's, let's say, five years, 90 plus million dollars to J.C. Jackson? Every year, Evan, the Patriots do something they've never done in the past before. If So for me, the, it would be extending, signing J.C. Jackson to a long-term deal. He, if he was to become a free agent and wasn't tagged, I would expect him to get around $20 million. I think if he signs a deal with the Patriots, he's signing, giving them a discount. How much of a discount is up to him? I would, th- I, he could probably justify getting 18, signing an $18 million deal. I said, I pushed that, I, I sent that out in a tweet and that still would work for the Patriots. Cause in my, in my scenario, I would guarantee, I would give him more guaranteed money than Jalen Ramsey got in this deal. And for me, I as a player, I'd rather have guaranteed money rather than a big number, total number, deal number. Um, well, the other I've, side of that too. Sorry, yeah. just the other side of that too is if they reach a deal versus tagging him, that eighteen million dollar number you're throwing out there—that's yeah. not all cap hit. Oh like no, they, no, you, I, versus oh, the, no, the no, no, no. I dropped tag. that big. We, that's a big time drop. You get right. to, that's why. So like, you could tag him on my, and a deadline to do so is March eighth. That gives you eight days to reach a deal. And I think yeah. that's what happened with Vince Wolfork. They tagged him and then they reached a deal before free agency started. And I think that's what they're hoping for. I mean, I um, it's, it's there's no way if if they reach an extension, they're cutting that eight, that $17 million number probably in half, if not more. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to, you to explain that as well a little bit more, Miguel. Okay. About because I think when people look at the the cap, they say, "Oh, well, if we sign, I'm just using an example here. If we sign JC to an 18 million dollar deal, then we lose 18 million dollars in cap oh, no. space." But what we have seen with the Patriots for years is that they stagger the contracts. I, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but they usually backload deals, right? Where they they, they, they front load cash, backload the cap number. Right. So the, so the player gets the player gets a lot of money up front, but with a low salary. That's what they did. Every practically every free agent they signed last year had a one million dollar salary last year, and then it, it inc- greatly increased this year. So you could sign J.C. Jackson. And I'm just doing it off the top of my head, and I don't have that $18 million correction. So I'm saying, let's just give them four years, $80 million. That's $20 million a year. All right. And that's just, just I don't think that would get that from the Patriots, but it's a lot easier to use that way. All right. Give them a $1 million salary. Give them a $40 million signing bonus. All right. That's $10 million a year. That's That means it's probably $10 million, $10 million a year, $1 million salary. That's $11 million. You save $6 million in the cap. I'm just using round numbers, folks. It's probably be much less, much more. The signing bonus would be probably much less than that, but just a lot easier if I just say 10 million. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, let's go and ahead. And I dog like that answer, yeah. too. That's good. Yeah, Alice <laughs> so, always makes at least one appearance. <laughs> oh, that's um, your dog? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, Um. so, so yeah, so we, I, I guess when it comes to Jackson, they can they can realistically and at the same time he's not going to take anything less than I've seen the number projected for the franchise tag anyway. I think you had seventeen two. I think yeah, I that's, the, 17. That, that's Joel Corey, who's a franchise tag guru, has figured out okay. that it's going to be seventeen point two eight seven million dollars. All right, right. We I Alex, you can say you don't think he's going to take less. I don't personally don't know the gentleman, so I'm not going to feel comfortable speaking for him. Fair, fair enough. Well, okay, let me ask you this too. This is kind of just a general cap question. Yeah. It, for my own personal research, because I use both over the cap and spot track kind of. Stop when I using spot track. So okay, I, I every time say I that. use spot track, I get called out for something being incorrect. Should I not be using spot track? You should. You should not using spot track. I know. Okay, hopefully, noted. I actually actually increase my umbrella insurance because I'm afraid they're going to hear this. As general, a couple of rules. A couple of years ago, because I know that I was going to say something like that out loud. Don't use this spot track. Okay. I'll, and I'll say this for example: Patriots ended with a cap space last year, a hundred thousand dollars. Right? Yeah. I was off by fifty thousand dollars. All right. The okay. cap's around two hundred million dollars. So fifty thousand yeah, is impressive. small. Yeah. No, that's a good okay. Number. They had the Patriots ending cap space number as six point four million dollars. Okay. Wow. Okay. They were right. $6.3 million off. $6.3 million off. If you were running a business, okay, would yeah. you go to a company that was that far off? No, you, you've okay. convinced me. You've convinced okay. me. Over the cap is good, though? Because I don't want to. Over the cap is Over the cap is way better than Spotrack. Okay. They're just slower than updating their page. Some- okay. Okay, then Spotrack. Okay, but if you want accurate number, go to over over the cap. I got you. I, and I'll well, say this for the beat writers who go listen to this: you tweet out a number, a, 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 an article that includes a Spotrack number. I'm not going to retweet it. Okay. I will not retweet <laughs> any articles that, that have that has Spotrack in it. I will. I hardly ever respond to tweets that mention that that site. They are okay. So. Oh, okay. 
Okay, I, as my... soon as Alex brought up Spotrack, I knew this was going to go down. I didn't know this was such a hot button issue. I know, I know that I've been called. You've called me out for it before. Yeah, literally, I, yeah. know, I love it. But literally, literally, Alex, I literally increased my umbrella insurance because I'm afraid of them suing me because I'm going to say something like this. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let, let's take the vendetta off of Spotrack for a second, and I want to <laughs> ask you about some of these uh, players, okay. Miguel, um, that you mentioned a little bit earlier. The guy that I want to start with. Yes. is Johnny Smith because oh, can't touch him. I watched a lot of, of, of Johnny Smith tape today, looking back at his Tennessee tape, looking in, into his 2021 tape to figure out what the heck happened that this okay. guy that they paid four years, 50 million, 31 and a half million guaranteed to in the off season has 300 yards and a touchdown in his first season with the Patriots. But you just mentioned it right there. The biggest problem that my research came up with was they can't move him. Like, no one's going to trade for his contract. Right. And they can't cut him because of the dead cap implications on his on his contract. So could you just explain, first of all, the okay. dead cap number and then how they could possibly rework or okay. review or restructure Johnny's okay. cap hit for next year? Okay. He, because he's got salary guaranteed this year, okay, and he also has salary guaranteed next year, all right, and then he has three years of signing bonus proration, all right, so if you cut a player with all that, all that, all that, it then hits the cap. So if you were to cut John O. Smith, you would lose $12.5 million in cap space. Yikes. Right, because his dead money is that much larger than his current cap number. All right? You, as, like you said, I don't think anybody's trading for him. Right. Is there right. any incentive for anybody? Like, is that is he cheaper to another team to a point where it might be worth another team that could use him differently to trade for him? You would have to. The other team would have to agree that his his cap his salary that he's due this year, next year, and is worth what they're going to give up. And what are you going to get get in return? Right. Right. Like they. Is he going to be hmm, – because the Patriots would, lose, would eat about $13 million in dead money, create about $2 million in cap space, all right? And what is the team, the, the acquiring team, they're going to say, I'm going to give them the Patriots what to get what? And I just don't see it happening. I, right. I just I, – I, I, you know, so, like, I'm not – we're not in fantasy football where you could give your team, you know, make these outrageous trades and your friends just just – Laugh it off. You say no and just laugh it off. All right. <laughs> right. You can't. You know. You can't. The other team just offer something and hope that they're idiots. I mean. I mean. Right. Bill so, Bryan's no longer. Bill Bryan's no longer GM. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they're they're kind of stuck with Johnu uh, for this in the year short term for 2022 especially. But what could they do in terms of pushing the money into future years? Is that oh, something that you think that they would do based off oh, of prior history? No, they want not with John o. Smith because his cap numbers are already for future years are so high. Why would right. you increase it even more? They won't, they're not touching. I'd be shocked. I'm going on record right now, January 20th, 520. They're not touching his deal. This okay, year. so let me, let me ask you about another free agent. And this is a little different because you talked before about guys that maybe they could extend. Yeah. And I look at Nelson Aguilar and, you know, they need to add wide receivers. They're going to okay. need to, to, to swap somehow. I know with Aguilar, um, again, for my research, and you know better than me, but I believe it's they it, it they save five million if they cut him, but they save ten million if they trade him. 
trade him, right? but you you don't yeah, but you can't trade a player until the league year starts. So if you want the okay. so you have to line up the trade before free agency starts, okay? All right, yeah. So you could you could create cap space by trading him, yes. That and that they've done that, right? Didn't they do that with Trent Brown last year where they traded for him? Unofficially, like a week before, yes, before and Marcus Cannon too, and Marcus right, Cannon and then it too. became official. So that's yeah. is that something you think is realistic? Assuming they could find a trade partner for Aguilar, well, I think okay, that, there's the issue. Where, where do you find a trade partner when you're he's going to get? He's going to have, he's got five billion dollars salary guaranteed. He's not giving. Is he getting? You're not. He's not going to give that up. And right. he, See, I feel like so. So how much cap space would the team taking him on absorb? Would it be ten million? Ten million dollars. I feel one, like on a one-year deal, he's going to be on a one-year deal. If you find, I, I don't think that's totally unrealistic. I mean, it's not likely, but maybe okay, like but a pick so what are you giving up for him? And like a pick swap kind of thing, just because I'm wondering it frees up cap space. And realistically, how many receivers are they going to keep next year, right? Because they they've got to add. They got to add. They already kept a ton this year, so I mean, Nikhil Harry's one spot, okay. but. Is that your one-for-one one swap, right? If you add another receiver, it feels like another guy's maybe got to come off the roster. So I'm well, just Malcolm wondering... Perry, who they just gave a $55,000 signing bonus, who will probably – so that's why I don't... one of the reasons I, I, I moved off a of gunner is, yeah. you know what I'm saying, I, I don't think I, – I think they're going to try to get a, a, a returner and, and a wide receiver elsewhere. Okay, so, interesting. So let me, let me piggyback off this from Alex for a second. Have you seen across the league at all, Miguel – in other sports like you know basketball uh, baseball the, you have these trades that are are straight salary dumps right no, like you, teams you, can't, that... you can't do that in the nfl okay. the saints try to do that and they right. and the nfl shut them down last year you so they really tried to give that huh what they were trying that? oh my gosh what were they trying to do it was my goodness gracious <laughs> what, they just tried to I, I, trade a, they it was right around the trade, trade deadline Oh my gosh! Oh, it was during the season. It was Did they during just the season. Trade a player for like a pick, straight up. You move? could do that, but it was during the season, and I know they were shut down. I'm at the DM Nick Underhill, who covers the, okay. the Saints. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm getting old. Yeah. So, so the, the, <laughs> the point is, is that like the Patriots putting, and I'm not saying they would do this. I'm just saying hypothetically, the Patriots putting a third round pick with Nelson Aguilar to dump him to some other team just to get rid of the salary cap hit. But they could do not, that. They, they could do that, but that's not what I thought you were saying. Oh, okay. I'm just okay. saying, like, if the Patriots gave up something of value with yeah. Nelson Aguilar to dump his – just basically on their purposes to dump the contract. It's, what would the other team give the Patriots? I, something marginal, well, we, right? We, like, well, okay. we've seen them do these pick-swap trades before. Okay, okay, like fair Nelson enough. Aguilar that's that's, that's, that's allowed. Like that, that's right? allowed. That, that's right. allowed. But you, the, there was – I thought you were talking like the what the NBA and straight cash. No, no, no. Right, not, right, right, okay, right, right. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. And yeah, I think we're, me and him are both kind of saying the same thing where, you know, hey, if you take this contract and you get a decent player, we'll yeah. let you move up 30 spots in the draft or okay, whatever. Okay, okay. Right? Oh, that's, like, that's possible. Like that. okay, okay. okay. So that the fact so, that. So we're I guess, getting... wait, just to finish my question. Yeah. Is that that's more reasonable than outright releasing him? I know you don't think it's totally. No, I don't think I don't. I, I, that's more likely to happen than okay. releasing him. Interesting. It's funny because we're we're talking about this what eight months after they went on this spending spree, and now we're just trying to dump some of these guys off the (laughs) Patriots. No one's perfect. No one's perfect, Evan. And I'll just say this, and I it's I forget it was in the Athletic 
and I said this have said this before, like every big money free agent wide receiver last year, not one of them, I think it was eleven, who got signed for a deal that's average over ten million dollars. Not one of them got a thousand receiving yards. Yeah. So the Patriots weren't the only one who misjudged wide a free agent wide receiver. So I want to bring you back. You said no to Janu uh, being restructured or pushing yeah, money into just, future uh, yeah. years. You mentioned mentioned Matthew Judon though. That, yes. that that one you see as a possibility. Oh, I I I would be shocked if they don't do it, because literally you could you could create about six point six four million dollars in cap space. All right, for this year, and and is ending and is still. His numbers in 2023 and 2024 are about $10 million less than the top of the edge market. So, like, right now, his his if I do this, if I do what they do, what I do, his cap number in 2023 become, become, then becomes $19.8 million, which is about $10 million less than the top top guys. And and what you mentioned Hunter Henry, too, I think, briefly. Would you yes. say the same thing for him as well? Uh, Hunter Henry, I would extend him another year. All right. And then I would drop his and then I would save five million dollars in cap space. So that's I would that's want a- him, because I know the reason I would extend him rather than just converting salary into signing bonus, because he has developed a rapport with Mac Jones. Miles will keep him on the same you keep keep him with Mac Jones during his entire rookie deal. I think too with extending him, a lot of these guys they signed last year, Hightower, uh um uh John they're on. They were signed to four-year deals, and Henry's a three-year deal, right? Right. They were, yeah. So, of, I, I, yeah, I never understood why they did Hunter Henry for three, but right. But you kind of round out that window yeah, there, yeah, back, yeah. and that all lines up. That would all line up right with Mac Jones' fifth-year option season. For, no, yeah. So like, he, yeah, for the, his because he's playing four years on his rookie deal, and he's got a right. fifth-year option. 2025 right. be his fifth year option. So it rounds out because I, yeah. I talk a lot. If, if people watch the show a lot, I talk a lot about the four-year window for this team. So yeah gets Henry right I, into that window. I believe I totally believe that's why I think they're going to more move money than cut players. So right. l- let me let me ask you another question now in kind of a different direction cuz we've talked a lot about what this team should do with tackle. And this isn't I guess directly a salary cap question but Isaiah Wynn, he's on that fifth year option. He's making what is it? About it's about 10 million just over 10 million this year. 10.413 million dollars. Okay. Ha- and he he's a starting caliber tackle. I don't think he's upper echelon in the league, but a guy of his ability on his contract, what kind of value do you think he has being paid that much if the Patriots were look, would look to move him? Look to move him? Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. You then, you, you're picking up a player. He has all the leverage. Oh, man. See, you don't want to, tr- you would have to agree to extension beforehand. Yeah, I mean, that's more value if you extend him. Yeah, to, I mean, if you have if the, his acquiring team knows what he's gonna sign for, you know, what I'm saying so, like you say, well, no, you, say, I, you no, I, no, what, oh, sorry, I misunderstood the question. Right. Then, so I mean it more. You have a starting caliber tackle at whatever he is, twenty six years old. Yeah, that you only have to pay ten million dollars. Right. Like so, so because because here's where I'm coming from. It like I'm looking at it. Me and Evan have talked about this. If you bring back Trent Brown and you keep Michael Onwenu at tackle. Could you move Isaiah Wynn to maybe pick up draft capital? And what, what oh, would his value be? Because I look at ah. it where here's a young player who's a starting caliber player at a premium position with a very low cap hit. And I'm just well, you so know, t- crunching t- the numbers. Is that an accurate assessment? I would say having a 10 million, a player who's 10 million on a $10 million salary who's on a one-year deal 
if you don't agree to an extension when you trade for before you trade for him, you are giving him all the leverage. I, that's okay, lowers his value. So he has more value if you say you tell Isaiah right. Wynn, we're gonna we, we want to trade you. You go find a find a trade partner and you can talk to him about a deal, a, a extension. Then that increases his value. You're not trade. I don't you know say because you could trade a player and he has no say on it. Right. You know what I'm saying? But right. you know so. But then if you if you work with Isaiah Wynn to, to trade him, he increases his trade value for you. Interesting. Because right. I guess right. that's it, it's interesting you put it that way. Because I was thinking about it more in the sense, and we've seen the Patriots do this, right? They trade for guys on the last year of their rookie deal is almost yeah. like a tryout season. Guys who maybe underperform their draft slot. So I was wondering if they could maybe get somebody else to bite on that. But now based on what you're telling me, it's actually more likely that a team trading for him is going to want want to have him locked up. Yes. Okay, interesting. Right, because if you're going to give up a second round pick for Isaiah Wynn, you're not going to then let him walk after one year. That that would mo- most likely yes. be your thinking. Right, even though the so, Patriots have done that time and time again with yeah, all the Patriots will do it because they got Bill Belichick, who's got job security. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't he doesn't care if it works out or not. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right. A uh, couple of last ones here for me, Miguel. Uh, Nikhil Harry, obviously gone. gone uh, <laughs> but whether it's trade or it's just releasing him, does that move the needle that much? Because I know you, you trade, you create more deal. cap space by trading them because his guarantee, he's got like $700,000 in guaranteed salary. That guaranteed right. salary would go to his new team, new team. So you create more cap space by trading them than releasing them. Got it. Devon Godshaw, another player. Okay, that, real real that quick on that. While we're on that draft class, does the same thing apply to Juwan Williams? Juwan Williams doesn't have any more guaranteed salary. Oh, so he oh. you can cut him no dead cap yeah, no yeah. nothing. Right, okay. Right, you know he has no yeah, so it's just all strict all only any dead money would be his signing bonus proration. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Devon Godshaw is another one that I I believe they can create some cap space yes. with, right? Yes. I would so for example, keeping on with the, my theme of extending, I would extend him and I create 2.7 million dollars. Got it. So, let me look at my list here of any and other And because players. and I, and one be I'll say this folks, he has $2.5 million of his salary guaranteed. So the, his, uh, you, the, that lessens how much cap space you can create by cutting them. Got it. And so between those three, between the, the three p- recent free agents we've talked about, Henry, Janu, and Devon Godshaw, that's what, $14, 15000000 million? $14.34 million. Now you're almost at the, the J.C. Jackson number. So that's actually yeah, yeah. pretty interesting how that lines yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, now, now you get the method of the madness, right, Alex? Yeah, yeah. Like now now yeah. you see how the wheels are turning. All right. 
last one here, and then I okay. got one more big picture question for you. But uh, you mentioned Shaq Mason as a guy that you can do either move yeah. his money or extend him or even release him. You also mentioned Jonathan Jones. The Jones one worries me a ton because we I, saw... I, I, I just had him on the list. I have. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't right. do it. But it, yeah, okay. But I wanted to get to a round we number. We saw what it looked like when they didn't have Jonathan Jones in the slot. Like, oh my at gosh. The end of this yeah. season. So that's what worries to me. To me, not having him in the Super Bowl against the Eagles cost him the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then not having him, him at the end of this season cost him games. Right. Okay. So the other one I wanted to talk to you about was Shaq Mason, who mm-hmm. is a great, a great player. And I, I think one of the more underrated guards in the league. Thank but you. Theoretically. You could bring back Ted Karras on a much cheaper contract, move Mike on Wenu to guard where they've been trying to get him in at guard this entire time, okay, and save a bunch of money by trading or 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 doing something with Shaq Mason. Again, I hate it because I think it's a good player, but just in terms of allocating resources and cost effectiveness and stuff like that, there it's not you have two starting caliber guards in Karras and on on Wenu for a lot yeah. cheaper than when one Shaq Mason, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But I'll say this, Mason's actually younger than Karras. Right. Okay, so... Yeah. Huh? Really? He's younger than... Yes. Yeah, he's about six months younger than Karras. It's like he's been here for 10 years. Yeah. I, I'm just... I, I said that blew my mind, too, when I looked it up. Okay, but I'm saying... So, like... I, I understand... I think Shaq Mason, I'd rather extend him. I, I'd rather ha- let... I'd rather keep Anwanu and let Teddy Karras go. I, yeah. I, that, out of the yeah. two guys, I'd rather have keep Shaq Mason than Karras. You can make your, you made a good argument, Evan, for keeping Karras and letting go Mason. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other end. It's just a, you know, it's on, I'm on the other, on the other yeah. side of the ledger. Evan, can I get a couple in here before you yes. do your big picture question? Yes, go. So these these are further down the road in the offseason, but one okay. is I, I'm always fascinated by the whole June 1st thing. Players' yeah. contracts change status post yeah, yeah, yeah. June 1st. Are there any guys this year that could move or restructure whatever that, you know, specifically needs to happen pre-June 1st or post-June 1st, or can this all pretty much be done whenever? <laughs> the, okay, the, the one guy I would think that June 1st might come into play is Devin. Devin McCourty, if okay. he retires, right, yeah. and he could he could retire, right, and they agree with the Patriots to do the what the Drew, Drew Brees did, all right. He lowers his salary to the minimum, then retires on June second. He does that. He creates about three point one eight million dollars in cap space this year. I mean, he's the only one I'm thinking that would apply that June second okay. thing that would apply to. Bobby Bonilla him. I don't hate that. Um, and then my other question <laughs> is, is that that's essentially what it would be, right? Because I'm guessing if he lowers his salary, it means it's paid out over more years. No, no, right? no. He lowers his salary oh. and then he retires. Then he retires on, on June 2nd and then his salary becomes zero. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, and then my other one is, and I know people are going to hate this question, but I got to ask it. When the, when the cap is considered in regards to the draft, is this are the slots for the draft picks built in or not? And how much cap? I, I know this is an imperfect question because you don't know what you're, they're getting back. But how much cap would the Patriots save if they traded out of the first round? Oh my goodness gracious! The slots are by by the by the by the yes, the draft picks are by the slot. Oh my gosh! Um, you have to go to overthecap.com/slash draft to answer your question. I don't okay. know what off the top of my head. <laughs> right. Would it like like just? 
based but on maybe i numbers. mean what are you getting back that's what the that's the whole thing you got to tell me you trade the first round pick for what are you so trading, let's say i mean this are you trading is, for a future a 2023 pick future pick future pick okay yeah. so you're out of the draft oh okay uh, yeah hold on hold on man like, I, like, I actually would, it, was doing, would it free oh. up a realistic amount of money or is it is it negligible i, to I the mean the, the, the first uh, draft pick is so cheap okay I just okay I, I don't even worry about it. so but like literally if they were to I, I looked it up on, over t- earlier today. If they were to stay at 21, and yeah. if over the cap is projection, Nick Cordy does this, as he's right, it costs them $2.87 million in cap space. This, it, to, his cap number would be $2.87 million. It wouldn't be this cap hit when they sign him, but that his cap number okay. would eventually be $2.87 million, which is when the cap is over $200 million, it's insignificant. It's not as one, okay. It's 1%. It's about 1%. It's not worth, it's not worth it. <laughs> okay, not, that that was my question. Okay, that was my question. I didn't think okay. it was, but we had it here. I want to make sure we okay, had it. So okay. Everybody can breathe a sigh of relief without that. <laughs> one. So there you go. Okay. All right, Alex, you got all your all your own yeah, questions. That's now I'm you can good. write all your I'm columns about all these okay. things and credit. Oh wait, no, I have one more. All right, because I can't yeah, find it online. What? What yeah. is? What is? The, when do they have to? What is the deadline to to tender RFAs? What is the window? Um, three fifty nine p.m. March sixteenth. When can there they can they start now? They they could if they wanted to, but they don't. Okay, so I didn't they, know if that window teams, opens right teams, away. Or... Teams teams hardly ever announce they they're gonna do tenant a player until right right near the okay. the start of the league year. They cool. could, but they don't. Awesome, thank you. Okay, so I want to wrap it up and kind of we we threw a lot of names and a lot of numbers at people. So I want to <laughs> wrap it up by doing this. Uh, first and foremost, give me like the three moves that you think the Patriots are most likely to make to free up cap space. Okay, hold on, man. I gotta switch. Back. I gotta switch back to my n- notebook, the, <laughs> the the right workbook. Hold on, man. The three moves they're definitely gonna make. Okay, this is it. They're gonna re- they're gonna extend Matthew Judon. They're gonna ex- excuse me, convert salary into signing bonus for Matthew Judon. They extend Hunter Hunter Henry. They are going to. Okay, the three most. Hold on a minute. I got you on the third one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I gotta make sure I get this one right. Hold on a minute. Oh. Well, it's it's what it's between what Godshaw, Harry. Yeah, um... no, it's it's Godshaw or Henry Henderson. Who Henry I think Henderson. is gonna happen? Okay. Um, because if Henry Henderson is becomes health is healthy enough, they're cutting him. Um, I, I'm gonna go with Godshaw being the thing. So they're, they're going to cut Gosha or extend them? No, no, ex- extend Gosha. Okay, so okay. restructure or convert salary into signing bonus on Judon, extend, extend Henry, Hunter Henry, extend Gosha. Extend Gosha. Yeah, those Got three it. things I think are, are going to happen. Okay, and then the last question I wanted to ask you here, just so that you can hold us all tight and tell us it's all going to be okay, if the Patriots were interested in, let's say, going out and, and trading or signing – a number one wide receiver, a stud wide receiver, Gareth okay. Mac Jones, they could feasibly figure out the cap ramifications of that move to make it happen. They would, yes, they could probably make it. They would, the player would have to agree to a a, a five year deal. So you would spread his point runners over five years rather than four. The player would probably have to do a spe, an option bonus. Where he gets some a big bonus in 2023, that's prorated over the last four years of his deal. If the players, if players are willing to do that, 
the Patriots could probably get a, 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 a shiny, I say shiny, shiny <laughs> a number one wide receiver. So you heard it here first from Miguel <laughs> Benzon that the Patriots are going to sign Devontae Adams and everything <laughs> is going to be just exactly what we all wanted, so, right? Okay, Devontae Adams is $27 million. You can forget twenty. You, you're not yeah. getting him. He's okay. Getting- He's getting twenty-seven million. Maybe Calvin Ridley, a trade for Calvin Ridley, you know, eleven million, right? Okay. That's not too bad. The, the, the idea that the Patriots could beat out teams, yeah, with, with draft picks is laughable. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because he would have to say, "I'm only going to go to the Patriots," and then that makes you know he has to tell the Falcons, "I only want to go to the Patriots," and then that's how I that's the only way I can expect Calvin Ridley to be traded because every other like the. Jets got better draft picks. The Dolphins have better draft picks. The Eagles have better draft picks. You you can make the argument maybe you just want to play for them, all right? But teams don't. Teams control can control where the player goes. Right. Well, I'm sticking with Devonte Adams. That one sounds good. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> I know. I know. No. Miguel, thank you so much for joining us okay, and, no and uh, simplifying simplifying all this for us and. Uh, once again, everybody go ahead and follow Pat's cap on Twitter. If you're not doing it already, you're obviously doing Patriots Twitter wrong. And uh, Miguel, you're still working with Habitat, right? Yes, please. Please go to my pinned tweet on Twitter. And if you can't afford to do so, donate the, um, some money to my to, to that. Um, and if you use Amazon.com, go to smile.amazon.com and make half of the Habitat of Humanity your chosen charity. doesn't cost you any money. Jeff Bezos has plenty of money. Miles, you know what <laughs> <There you go. laughs> There you go. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, Miguel. We'll have you on again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Okay. Well, that's why he's that the good. best in the cap business right there, because there's just so much information that I can't possibly fathom how Miguel keeps it all together and all straight. But his point about Calvin Ridley, who I wanted to talk about here, Alex, before we wrap it up, is interesting that the Patriots, if they do find themselves in a bidding war for Calvin Ridley, are probably going to lose that bidding war. Yeah, unless, I mean, I think you get to a point where maybe you see if the Falcons really like Isaiah Wynn, they do need help on the offensive line. Maybe they're high on a guy like Chase Winovich or Josh Uche, these edge rushers that the Patriots don't want to play. They need pass rushers as well. So maybe you throw a player in there to sweeten the deal. But yeah, they don't have, I wouldn't say they don't have a lot of draft capital, but they, they, they don't, you know, they don't have a lot. They don't have a little. They kind of, I think they have six picks. So they kind of the standard. And yeah. again, it's the 21st pick. It's, you know, towards the bottom of the round. So makes all the sense in the world from a stylistic perspective. And I know the Patriots were interested on a short list with Calvin Ridley in the 2018 draft. They end up going Isaiah Wynn. Ridley goes three picks later, but he's the type of receiver with the route running polish and the explosiveness and the inside outside versatility. That Those are the types of guys that you want to try to target I would think if you're New England but it's a it's a good point by Miguel that they don't necessarily have the cap or the uh not the cap the capital I should say the draft capital uh, to go out there and win a bidding war a couple more things here before we wrap up uh Dave Ziegler Patriots de facto general manager and Gerard Mayo both interviewing with the Las Vegas Raiders I believe on the same day which could mean that the Raiders have in mind potentially pairing those two together as a, as a duo out there in Vegas. 
how much of a hit do you think that losing either one of those guys would be? We can start with, with Ziegler, who I think is maybe a little bit of an unknown compared to Mayo, obviously, for fans. But in my mind, Alex, since the Patriots have handed the keys over to Dave Ziegler in the scouting department with Nick Casario's departure to Houston, they've been a better drafting team for it, right? The last couple of classes have certainly been better than the last couple at the end of the Casario era. era. So I, I think that Ziegler would be uh, – unsung loss right like something that would fly a little bit under the radar and a lot of uh, brain power leaving the Gillette Stadium facility over the last couple of years if Ziegler also walks yeah and I think look Mayo would be Mayo's a really good coach it's nothing against Gerard Mayo but I think with a lot of the uncertainty of what's going on on the defensive side of the ball in terms of coaching it's hard to exactly qualify his departure I think something that's gone under talked about is the potential loss of both Ziegler and Elliot Wolf who's interviewed I don't think he interviewed with the Raiders, but I'm pretty sure it's yeah. the Vikings and the Broncos. I know he had multiple interviews and he, he, he dates back, you know, he was with the Packers and, and the Packers have had a ton of good drafts and to, to see the draft the Patriots had last year, which was their best, seems like it's their best in a while, right? Uh, to see them have that draft. And these guys are probably the two architects of that draft to see those guys kind of go out the door. You, you hate to see it because again, it was a really good draft and you kind of hope that they'd be able to string a couple of those together. Uh, I'm not saying they can't still this year. Obviously, those guys did a lot of the legwork for this draft. They were here throughout the year. And who knows, like, the people who step in for them could be good, too. But I think, like, Mayo Mayo would be a big loss. But it's different. It, it It's just a different situation because of – look, Mayo should have played a bigger role. That's kind of the point here. Yeah. Is Mayo should have played a bigger role in what they were doing. He didn't. Um, he's going to go elsewhere. It probably hurt them more, him leaving, if he had done more. It's hard to say he's going to be this big loss when we don't know exactly how much he did versus Steve and Matt Patricia. Um, I I think with the two front office guys, you know, Wolf and Ziegler, I think we kind of have a general idea of what they did. And the draft as a whole was excellent. So whatever role they played, you you hope they're back to play it. So those those are the two for me that kind of stand out as, as potential hits if they leave. Yeah, it's interesting because Belichick and McDaniels went to the Alabama Pro Day and saw Mac Jones up close at that Pro Day. But all the other quarterback throwing days, it was Elliot Wolf who went there, right? To uh, Trey Lance, Justin yeah. Fields, all the other uh, circuits on the Pro Bowl or on the uh, on the uh, pro, pro days was Wolf, Ziegler, that part of the staff going out there and watching those guys. I think the one thing that you see was Ziegler's team that they've put together uh, in these last couple of draft classes since he's taken over is uh, back to uh, attention to detail in terms of bringing in athletes, right? Just bringing in explosive players, bringing in guys that uh, like a Christian Barmore and a Kyle Duggar. I know Mac Jones is more of that traditional Patriots, just prototype type of pick and not necessarily an Uber athlete, but I think in the last couple of Casario drafts, you had Nikhil Harry, you had Sony Michelle, you had Isaiah Wynn, you had guys that were not necessarily known for athleticism, but uh, maybe in Wynn's case are more technically sound, or in Sony's case, we're just going to get the job done or fill the role. And I think the Patriots have made a bigger emphasis on finding explosive players like a Duggar, like a Barmore, like an Uche, like Ramondre, that maybe are not necessarily. Um, you know, as as refined as some of these other guys, but have much higher ceilings than some of the players that they've drafted in the past. And I think that that's a good focus that the Patriots have made in the draft. And you mentioned Gerard Mayo. This whole thing with the defensive coaching staff, I don't know how 
ugly or how much it really, how bad it really is. I, I, I don't. But at the same time, well, I mean, they just gave up 47 points to an overrated. Well, I know how I bad the defense looks. Idea. I know how bad the defense looks on paper. What I mean, or in the eye test, what I mean is behind the scenes, I'm not sure how bad this actually got. But there's clearly a disconnect. And I think a lack of buy-in or a lack of belief in the game plan uh, from a pay, uh, player perspective with the defensive coaching staff. And I don't know if that's Mayo. I don't know if that's Steve. Uh, but at the same time, in a way, as much as I think Gerard Mayo is a good coach and a smart mind, even if I, I, I want to hate on Steve, like I, I know a lot of people like to do, having a more unified voice leading the defense and not having people pull at each other in different directions might be ultimately, even if you have the worst coach in charge, at least you have one guy in charge, right? Instead of yeah. guys going to different people in the locker room and trying to pull things from there. It was very abundantly clear that during the seven game winning streak, they were connected, they were whole, they were playing as one. And then down the stretch, it completely came apart. And I, it has to point to coaching and who's in charge and who these players are going to and, and pointing to when they need to, you know, find out the game plan. What's my role? Do I like my role in the game plan? I think guys specifically that, you know, I, I've heard that that maybe we're thinking twice or challenging the game plans a little bit are obvious. Like Matthew Judon, I, I right. think was a little bit lost in the game plans and stuff well, like he's that. Dropping the coverage. I mean, can you yeah. blame him? No, I don't blame him whatsoever. And I think a lot of these things that you hear as Hollywood eyes and as perfect of a drama scenario as it might be painted, it's so obviously out there on the field that it's hard to deny what you see, right? In that the first five or six games, they looked one way on defense outside of the Brady game. And then it, it really felt like the Brady game, Bill ran the game plan, right? Because it was Tom yeah. Brady and he wanted to win that game. Then during the seven game win streak, it feels like Bill came in and tried to fix some things that were going wrong with the defense. Then he gave it back over to the assistants and they fell apart again. I mean, that it, it's, it's pretty abundantly clear what happened, even if you don't have the inside information to put it together. Well, I think you just look at, I mean, there's different tendencies and every coach believes in different things. We talked a lot about this on Tuesday and I, I said kind of along the lines that you're saying, right? I might've said it on the show. I might've said it on the other show. I lose track sometimes. <laughs> Uh, Patriots, uh, Patriots recap podcast with Matt Dolph, 985thesportsup.com. But I, I agree with you. And I know some people might not want it to be Steve. I know some people might not want it to be Patricia, might not want it to be whoever. But the reality is, if it's just one person, we can haggle over who that one person should be. And there's a time for that. But if it's just one person giving the, the calls and designing the defense and all of that, it's just going to be easy. Like, for lack of a better term, give me a corporate flow chart. For right. the defense with one person at the top. And Devin McCourty talked about it on his podcast. I don't have the exact quote in front of me. Um, or no, this wasn't McCourty's podcast. This was uh, Phil Perry talked about this on yeah. NBC Sports Boston, which basically there were different coaches designing the defense every week. And even if it's one coach at a time, it's like it's you're different people have different concepts. It's just the reality of it. They might be similar, right. but one week you're being asked to do one thing. The next week you're being asked to do the other thing. It's just hard to do your job that way. And I know yeah. the Patriots are a game plan defense, but this is different than that. This no, is, you still have to have foundational elements. Exactly. Right? And that yeah. can change from person to person. So I think again, who, whether it is Steve, if, if Gerard Mayo stays, I, he would be my guy. Uh, but whether it's him, Steve, Patricia, whether they bring in somebody else from the outside, I think you need a, it really should be Bill. Forget that. Forget Mayo. It should be Bill. 
I don't think it's going to be built. But yeah. there should be one guy for 17 weeks and then some designing and calling the defense on uh, you know on a week to week basis. I I just think that would help everybody out. And yeah. yes, they did call Josh Allen overrated before because we get better metrics the more comments we get in the chats. And I'm playing you Bills fans like puppets. Dance for me. <laughs> yeah. Keep, I, going, I, keep, keep, keep getting my uh, my rev share up. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Buffalo. I, I think that I think that Gerard Mayo, for some reason, and I think maybe it's because of his playing days uh, and how good of a player he was for the Patriots, Gerard Mayo is the one that everybody thinks is is the, is the smartest guy in the room, right? Everybody right. looks at Steve and they look at Matty P and they say, those guys don't know what they're doing, but Gerard does. And I do think that a lot of the players in that locker room, especially some of the older players that actually played with Gerard Mayo down at the end of his tenure here with Excellent the Patriots, point. were looking at that and saying, Gerard should be in charge, right? Gerard knows what he's doing. And I also think when you look across the league at some other teams that have former players running the sides of the football, right? And it's not always uh, defense, but in San Francisco, D'Amico Ryans is running their defense right now. And they're okay, playing wait. great football. Real quick on D'Amico Ryans, because I saw yeah. this the other day that he interviewed for a head coaching job. Yeah. I thought D'Amico Ryans was still playing. Like, I know how he, how old are we that D'Amico Ryan's could be ahead, and it's he, nothing against he D'Amico Ryan's like, as a candidate, he, he but retired how the, a few years ago and then instantly right. became a coach. I mean, this he is, was yeah. Th- this is nothing against D'Amico Ryan's, right? Like his, his I'm sure his resume is great. How the hell is D'Amico Ryan's already at the point where he can be a coach in terms of like, yeah, he just played yesterday. I'm getting so damn old. I hate it. Yeah. So Gerard Mayo used to play. Obviously, we know that Gerard right. Mayo. I think has a lot of people in that locker room among the high towers, the McCordies that played with Gerard Mayo, that I'm, this is just speculate. This is just me talking. I'm not saying that, that this is hundred percent fact, but I, I think that a lot of those players from putting together tea leaves have definitely sided with Gerard Mayo and say, he should be the guy in charge. He's the one that knows he's the one that's walked in our shoes and been there before. You look across the league. I mentioned D'Amico Ryans, Byron Leftwich running the offense in Tampa Bay, Kellen Moore running the off- offense in Dallas, right? All these guys that were former coaches that are now becoming, or former players that are now becoming instant coordinators. And Gerard Mayo is still in this in-between phase here with the Patriots. And I don't think it's any mistake whatsoever that Gerard Mayo is interviewing for multiple head coaching opportunities. Yeah. I think he wants out. I think he wants to be out of here because he looks at it and he says, I'm never going to be above Steve. I'm probably not going to be above Patricia now that he's back. And my only opportunity is to get out of here and and go coordinate another defense or go head coach another team. So hopefully next year, my, my, you know, kind of wrap this up. Hopefully next year, even though you might think that Steve is not the best coach out of that group or Patricia is not the best coach out of that group. Having that one guy yeah, will be able to do something right in, in terms of the continuity and the chemistry of the D. But the last thing I wanted to ask you about this, Alex, if let's say Gerard Mayo does leave and does become a head coach elsewhere, or even if he stays and he still is in this role that he's in right now, yeah. do you think that that, inhibits them from bringing back a high tower or bringing back a McCordy or bringing back some of these guys that maybe were gravitating the locker room more towards what Gerard Mayo was telling them versus what the Belichicks were telling them, for example. I would think it helps them. If those guys like Gerard Mayo, I think they want to play with them. Like I like, like here's a hypothetical for you. Gerard Mayo goes to Oakland. 
Donta Hightower maybe, you know, wants a one-year deal, and would he follow they, – they need veteran leadership there in Oakland. Would he follow Gerard Mayo to o- – right. Oakland, jeez. Vegas. Would yeah. he follow Gerard Mayo to Vegas for one year to wrap up his career and play for his former teammate? Right? Would you see something like that? I, I wonder if – those because a lot of those guys are pending free agents. I wonder if those guys would follow Gerard Mayo for a year. Something like that. So, I – um. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I think they got to figure it out. And like, you laid out a really good case. So there's really no incentive. And obviously, Gerard Mayo aspires to be a head coach. I think most coaches yeah. aspire to be a head coach at some point. Um, I think that there, with him specifically, though, there's not a lot of incentive for him to stay. No. Because like you said, he's, and, and I don't know what he gets paid. Like, maybe they pay him like a DC. Um, but he's never going to be a DC here because he's not, if he was going to, if he was going to pass Steve, and become the DC over Steve, it would have happened already. Right. He wouldn't have stayed the inside outside linebacker coach thing. Like we all know what that is. Yeah. So I, I just think that, you know, it, it, there's, it's hard to justify him sticking around unless something monumental changes or they really open the bank for him, which again, maybe they do like, isn't at one point, I think Josh McDaniels was the highest paid coordinator in football, right? Either side of the he's, ball. He's still up there has one of the he's highest. Still, right. Yes. And you know, he's, it was at a time. I think this was right before the Colts thing. It was at a time where he truly was in demand and they were able to keep him around by kind of paying him like a low, like lower salary head coach over almost a higher salary coordinator. But are they going to do that for Gerard Mayo if he's not even calling the plays? And again, if, if, if they're going to let him call the plays for 17 weeks, then he should be paid that because I think he'd be right. good at it. I think it would be an improvement. I just don't see it happening. So, yeah, the only coach that I can think of, too, in, in recent memory that's become a head coach that didn't call plays versus Sarani uh, in, in uh, Philadelphia. Cause he was working under Frank Reich who was calling plays in Indianapolis. Right. right. So usually if you don't coordinate a side of the ball or you don't call the plays for a side of the ball, it's pretty difficult to get one of the 32 head coaching jobs. You have to really blow people away at the interview process. So I, I find this fascinating and I, I know that's why everybody's talking about it, but it, it's, it truly is fascinating to try to understand the logic, not necessarily about Steve being involved in, in calling plays and stuff, but trying to understand the logic of you saw the first six weeks of the season when the assistants were in charge of the defense. Right. Then Bill seems to take back the reins a little bit and fix some of the things during the winning streak. Why give it back? Like why, why did, why, what's the method to the madness and Bill's the smartest guy in the room, right? So I'm trying to figure out what the method to the madness is to bring to, to put it back in the hands of the assistants and essentially let go of the rope of the season on the defensive side of the ball as a result where they're playing so well that all Bill had to do was keep coordin- essentially coordinating the defense like he was during the winning streak and everything would have been fine or not, maybe not fine, but you know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Well, I look, I said it before the playoff game. I went on that whole rant about how Bill Belichick needs to remind everybody why he is the greatest coach of all time. And right. You know, he should have pushed Patricia, Steve, Mayo, all of them out of the way, you know, give me, give me the whiteboard. Let's do this. And clearly that didn't happen. Matthew Judon dropping into coverage, things like that. Actually, we know from Devin McCourty, Steve was calling the play Saturday night. Yeah. We know it wasn't Mayo. I still think it was Patricia a little bit. I do. Cause the dropping the defensive end. Well, the game plan and the play calls might be two different things. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, Dev, I I don't have the exact quote in front of me. I know Zach Cox uh, uh, from Nesson has it on his Twitter. I'll try to pull it up. Um, But yeah. We know for him that Steve was calling the plays. It didn't work. Bill should have been designing. Bill should have been play calling. All of that. Yeah, here. So here's part of the quote um, from Devin McCourty. Um, 
the play calls, they kept changing. We kept trying something different. I mean, Steve called everything we had Saturday night and just nothing went right, right for us. Steve's the old, Bill's not mentioned in here. Mayo's not mentioned in here. Patricia's not mentioned in here. Um, and I didn't hear the whole thing, but it's a pretty sizable quote. It's a pretty long quote. So um, I find it interesting that he said that, uh, that they tried to call everything because I remember in week 16, I asked him a, a similar question and he answered it in a similar way saying we called a bunch of different things in this game. You it almost wonder like it though, did it? It, it didn't feel like it, but I, I asked him because Dante Hightower had made a comment earlier in the week of uh, right after the week 16 loss saying that he felt like the bills knew what they were in. He felt like the bills were recognizing what they were in and checking into the right plays and, and knowing how to beat the Patriots. And so I, I took that as, well, you're not disguising, you're not, you're oversimplifying, but it almost feels like it might've gone the opposite direction where they try to put too much into the install instead of simplifying, they might've actually, overcomplicated things a little bit and that's why you get matthew judon dropping into coverage right is because you're you're trying to be too cute with it right. well Almost. that that's textbook patricia that's right textbook getting too cute yeah. with it defensively is textbook matt patricia yeah so i i think a other last thing here this is beyond just what happened on wildcard weekend with the bills like i think that that's why we're talking about it so much is because this was a five-week problem and really if you look at the beginning part of the season for the most right. part this was like an 11-week problem right so this is a bigger problem than just the fact that they didn't have the personnel and they didn't have the health in the secondary to compete in, with buffalo last saturday night this is a this is a right. moving forward big picture problem uh, with the patriots on the defensive side of the ball and Brian Flores is not walking through that door to save him, right? Like they're not. So, so I wanted to bring that up. Like I'm talking about, there should be one person calling the defense. It would be criminal if Brian Flores doesn't get a head coaching job. But if if somehow all these teams miss on him, I I'll go pick him up. He doesn't even need to fly. I'll go drive the car right down to Miami and get him. Like yeah. he should be back here. He should be the one making all the calls. That 2018 Super Bowl defensive game plan, Evan. We've talked about this. Is still one of the best of yeah. the Bill Belichick era. Get me the guy who drew that up. If you can bring him back here, I don't think you think twice about it. The the fascinating part about that game plan, and we can talk about this on, on a different uh, off-season type of show, but the best part about that game plan is actually how it made Sean McVay evolve as a coach as well. Because now if you look at the Rams offense, they don't do as much of that stuff anymore that they did in 2018 because right. the, the Patriots gave everybody a blueprint on how to defend that offense. So McVay had to evolve. Shanahan have to, had to evolve. And that whole scheme, uh, uh, Flor, uh, LaFleur and Green Bay as well, all of those wide zone coaches had to completely evolve and put new things in and change the way that they approached it because they saw the blueprint was out there that Bill Belichick and Brian Flores put out there, but a really fascinating topic to continue to monitor, especially with Gerard Mayo interviewing pretty much everywhere. He's interviewed with the Raiders, the Broncos, uh, the Houston Texans, uh, and pretty much every single opening has called Gerard Mayo. I believe he has something in Chicago going as well. So if he does get a head coaching job, well, it'll be really fascinating to see how the Patriots uh, allocate the responsibilities on the defensive staff moving forward and what that means for the Patriots on that side of the ball. We want to thank the, our wonderful guest again, Miguel Benzon, Pat's cap. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. If you're not already and go listen to the first half of the show. If you're looking for the cap uh, skinny on the Patriots and 
he did a great job of condensing a very complex uh you know numbers issue i know there's a lot of information to throw at you guys but we tried our best to point him in the right direction and i hope you guys enjoyed it we'll have more guests and and more people come on on the show in the future as well but alex and i will be back on uh tuesday alex we're doing another show uh yeah tuesday we'll do another show on tuesday we're gonna get into start uh we're gonna start naming some names i think starting on tuesday of guys that we might want on on the patriots and guys that the patriots might be able to target and we'll talk about some of their own free agents as well we decided to have miguel on today instead of doing that but we're gonna have uh, some of the uh their own free agents have that discussion about guys they bring back other than jc jackson as well so until then signing off for alex barth i'm evan lazar thanks for watching everybody thanks again to pat's cap and we'll see you guys all on tuesday